Sometimes when I've had a bad day at work, I go to the airport. I hang out in the departures terminal. I stand at a reasonable distance from the flight information screens, and I misdirect the people who are in a hurry. I wear a fake uniform and cap, and I shout, for instance, Chicago, gate 23. I watch them turn around and rush in the wrong direction. I love the expressions on their faces. Occasionally, I put a small remote-controlled video camera on a tripod and I shoot short films. Miami, boarding, gate number seven. I hide behind a pillar and use a small megaphone. Atlanta, gate 14, final call. Final call for Atlanta, please proceed to gate 14. When I'm lucky, they bump into one another. I once filmed a great big argument between a woman who would have liked to go to New York and a guy who thought he would make it to Denver. When I've had enough of that, I go downstairs to the arrivals terminal. I stand at the gate and hold up a sign with a random name on it, pretending I'm a driver. Last Tuesday, I took a guy named Sam Jones to the Marriott downtown and made 45 bucks. Sometimes I hold up a sign with a celebrity's name on it. Hey, you never know. The real drivers who are waiting glare at me with envy. I once drove Nicole Kidman to the Hyatt. She got in my car and took off her sunglasses and her hat. But in the rearview mirror, I could see she wasn't the real Nicole Kidman. She didn't even look like her. And welcome to this episode of the Muffy Drake Show Podcast. My name is Bobo, and I'm the guest host. I've been the guest host for quite a few of these shows now because of the, uh, the Muffy situation in Paris. Now, if you are just joining this podcast and wondering who the heck Muffy is and why you are listening to an orangutan named Bobo... I would suggest you go back to the beginning where it all began. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps you could take a long train ride with a sleeping car. Snuggle up with your earbuds, your favorite earbuds, and just sort of let all the episodes wash over you like a sonic tidal wave of love. But if you've been with the Big MD since the very start, and know all the storylines and characters, and are sincerely concerned 
about Muffy's whereabouts and condition, I will play this recording left on my voicemail. And um, it's all we have now on Muffy. A call from Paris after midnight. Circus clown makeup optional. leaving voice messages after midnight, especially after midnight when I've been drinking. So whatever I say, just just erase it, okay? Anyway, don't make this like the last time I went on an extended vacation and I called you from Florida. Remember that? Late at night and I was at that family reunion and to this day, I don't know what my dad was thinking. He had invited three of those circus clowns over, you know, to sort of bury the hatchet after all those years and pay them the money he owed. Now, who does that? Are you crazy? Anyway, the clowns showed up in their little car, dressed in full circus clown regalia. They get out and start flicking lit cigarettes at Aunt Dot, who was sitting in a lawn chair. Big, big mistake. Aunt Dot don't take no shit from circus clowns. So she's, she's wrestling all three of them to the ground. And God is my witness. God is my witness. She gets all three of them in a headlock. How, how do you even do that? Just, just a sec. Somebody's, somebody, just, oh, geez. Somebody's knocking at the door. Who is it? I, I don't speak French. I, I can speak a little conversational Swedish. like to jog my memory. I know my 50 states. I know the countries and the capitals of the world. I know all my friends' phone numbers by heart. And I increase my French vocabulary a little bit every day. Now I'm learning the list of popes. Yes, it's challenging. Very challenging. But I have a trick. I learn fun facts about them. It makes it easier. For instance, Pope Paul VI, fun fact, issued an encyclical in 1968 to condemn artificial contraception. Now, you would be a fool and possibly a heretic to see any connection whatsoever between that encyclical and the women's lib movement in the 60s and 70s. Gregory XIV made gambling on papal elections punishable by excommunication. Who knew people gambled on papal elections in the first place? The popes are at the gate. Five bucks on Marcellus to win. Fifteen bucks on Clement to show. Ten bucks on Benedict across the board. Listen. If you want to have 
gambling. It has to be done in an appropriate way, in a proper establishment. Capiche? It has to be organized by someone who sets the rules and makes sure they're observed. We talked about this. Did we not talk about this? Speaking of Benedict, fun facts about Benedict XVI. On August 6th, 2000, he published the Dominus Laesus Declaration, which affirms the superiority of Catholicism above other Christian and non-Christian confessions. Nice move, right? Wait, there's more. He labeled gay men and lesbians as, quote, objectively disordered, and wrote that same-sex sexual relationships were, quote, intrinsically evil, unquote. <sighs> it's impossible to overstate the damage Pope Benedict XVI has done by refusing to recognize the most basic human rights for LGBTQIA plus people. Rest in peace, Ben, you modern, tolerant, peace-loving, empathetic, forward-looking, ecumenist you. But back to good old Gregory XIV, the Pope who banned gambling on papal elections. Well, listen to this. He revoked the papal bull of Sixtus V and ruled that abortion was a sin only after the animation or ensoulment of the fetus. Hmm. Abortion a sin only after there's evidence of the fetus being animated or having a soul. Gregory XIV. 1535, a pope who was probably sympathetic to victims of rape and or incest. Fun facts. Padre, I come to you with harrowing compunctions of conscience deep anxiety arising from awareness of peccability and remorse. But I cannot help myself. Humor is a force stronger than me. It is a malady. It thrives within me like a virus. If I have offended anyone, I sincerely apologize. But truth be told, I was only reporting the facts. Fun facts, yes. When asked whether you can joke about anything, the French comedian Pierre Desproges once famously said, yes, you can, and perhaps you should, but not with anyone. But again, my intent is not to offend. Certain popes, not all of them, not the aforementioned black sheep, as it were, but certain popes in history have been truly remarkable. John Paul II, or Pope Francis, to name but two. Pope Francis, a caring, generous, and kind human being, 
who displays genuine sympathy and spares no effort to advocate peace and love, which is what we need in this day and age. So let's not throw out all the popes with the holy water. Oh, sorry, the humor is resurfacing. I must apply myself to the betterment of my mind. go, he was gifted. A high school senior dropout, he had done well for himself. He worked at a high-end luxury automobile repair shop that was so well respected, they had a nice write-up in popular mechanics. Carl was the go-to guy for the Ferraris and Lamborghinis and an occasional Lotus, even vintage Panteras. He was a wizard with a 351 Cleveland engine, and that was in the Pantera. They had a run from 1971 to 1974, I think. Now, if you want to sound like a car aficionado, here's a tip for you. Just put this one phrase to memory for any future cocktail party conversation that involves this exotic creation by, of all car companies, Ford. With a little help, of course, from the Italians with an exotic name like Di Tommaso. So, maybe in a few years, but well worth it, trust me on this, they say Pantera, and you pounce with that 351 Cleveland. Now that was my engine. Now if they start asking detailed questions about the car, excited to converse with another lover of this beauty, I got nothing for you. I would suggest faking a gallbladder attack. They are the most common statistically, so totally believable. Anyway, Carl had recently begun reading books, but not the stuff you would expect like the Bible of all car mechanics, the Chilton Auto Repair Manual. Carl, the car mechanic, was reading Das Kapital by another Carl, Karl Marx. And the more he read, the angrier he got. Das Kapital was a manual on how to fix the engines of commerce and human suffering, and clearly there was a lot to be fixed. Carl came to the conclusion that many monkeys, through history, were throwing too many wrenches, and this really pissed him off. It was unfair. You see, Carl was in a unique position to witness the excesses of humankind. He would replace a part on a Ferrari 488 GTB, a small, insignificant part. The car would be just fine without. He would replace that part at a cost that could feed a family of five for three months. Then he would have to listen to conversations in the waiting room about the latest getaway, you know, get my head together vacation to Tuscany, never in April or May. By the way, too many tourists on their one and only visit to Tuscany. Carl would earn two weeks of vacation a year. His Tuscany was Talladega. What to do? He was one man. He needed a plan. He needed a manifesto. He wrote furiously between breaks over the course of a month. He could have done it in his apartment but he wanted to be near the source for inspiration. Car owners would notice the longtime friendly mechanic and ask, oh, what you writing there, Carl? Looks intense. 
with a condescending lilt, I might add. He would answer, Grocery list, while thinking, I'm writing your obituary, asshole. Now, what Carl meant was wealth obituary. He was trying to figure out a way to redistribute the wealth, death to injustice, death to inequality, and human suffering. He finished his manifesto on a Monday afternoon at 2.45, just as a 2008 Maserati Gran Turismo pulled in to have its left blinker fixed. It stopped working for the owner, all of a sudden. She didn't know why. It had performed so well, then it refused to work. Carl thought to himself, how ironic. He said to the owner, and just... How did you treat this left blinker? His voice rising now. Other mechanics look up with grease on their faces, hearing what appears to be the cardinal sin of the shop. Never raise your voice to a client and never look them in the eye. Paging the general manager to the floor. Tom. Carl continues. Did you ever think there would come a day when your left blinker finally had had enough? Have you? The owner starts backpedaling away from Carl. The receptionist is witnessing all of this and begins to weep. <laughs> Tom, please come to the floor. Tom, please come to the floor. Carl is not gifted with words and vocabulary. It sounds like he is channeling Jack Torrance now from the Kubrick film The Shining, starring Jack Nicholson. I think you have some very definite ideas about what should be done to that blinker, and I'd like to know what they are. Have you ever thought for a single solitary moment about your responsibilities to that blinker? Has it ever occurred to you that you have agreed to take care of that left blinker? General Man, General Man, please come to the door. Does it matter to you at all? that the Maserati people have placed their complete trust in you and you have signed a letter of agreement, a contract, into which you have accepted that responsibility? Do you have the slightest idea what a moral and ethical principle is? Do you? Please come to the floor. It was a bad scene, Carl's last day. He was fired. Lucky for him, he had a lot of savings, decided it was time for a vacation. He booked the flight in April. Destination, Tuscany. He never came back. Got a job as a mechanic at the number two shop in all of Italy. And by the way, they don't call them imports over there. The owner loved Carl, treating him like the son he never had. And in a few years, transferred the ownership over to him. Carl treats his workers well and keeps that manifesto near his desk where he can see it at all times, up on a shelf, 
just out of reach. Former, a humorist, a painter. How do I keep these things in balance while the world collapses around me? The writer in me is bound by duty to fight for justice and human rights. But I have no platform, and even if I did, think of all the protest songs, all the anti-war films, all the essays and books, all the marches and sit-ins and protests and riots. The world still spirals into chaos. I can do nothing to stop it. I am an invisible, silly, old man living in the middle of nowhere. Obsessed with the horrors of the world, and now these fixations are harming my relationships with other people, with people I love. I feel like I'm losing my mind. But I already know what that is. I will not go there again, and maybe it doesn't matter anyway, for there's something else I know all too well. The smell of death. Which I smelled for the first time when my grandmother was dying in 1977. I smelled it again when one of my male patrons was dying in the 90s. A unique smell, death. About a year ago, I smelled it again. Only this time, I was by myself. I smelled it again today. Alone, just now. That the world keeps descending into chaos may be inevitable. I am powerless to stop it, and I can't fight it anymore. I must answer the call to turn away from these horrors. and embrace the wonder and truth and joy and beauty in the world. Create more of that in pastels and poetry. With that, with what little time I have left in this world, leave the horrors to my betters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I can't do anything to stop it. <laughs> listening to the Buffy Drake podcast. My name is Bobo. 
on behalf of this Franco-American production team based out of Paris, you know. We'd like to thank you for taking a listen. And, uh, you know, we look forward to perhaps inviting you to a company picnic in a park in Paris, of course. A wine and cheese affair with uh, with Camembert and Velveeta and uh, Cabernet and MD 2020. Once assembled, we'll all, uh, we'll all break bread together and tell stories. Lots and lots of stories. <laughs> it's what we do best. So, until then, au revoir, amigos.